Have a seat. Um, we are in the life of Moses. Uh, we are looking at the Ten Commandments. My wife and I were talking yesterday. She goes, okay, you're on like Commandment 7. You've got two more to go. Then what are you going to do? I said, well, it's the life of Moses. I said, we got 40 years of the children in the wilderness. I said, I got 40 years worth of messages to go yet. So, uh, not quite. But uh, we're at Sinai. We're talking about the Ten Commandments, or the Ten Words as some Jews know them. And in that uh, deal, what we're trying to do is we're trying to put one word, one concept, one principle behind each one of the Ten Commandments. And so we talked about the first four, which those, the first four uh, commandments have to do with the idea of um, God. And so we talked about the first one, that I am the Lord, and that is the idea of authority. Uh, we talked about the second one, which is, you um, will have no other gods before me. That's priority. God needs to have priority, the center of our life. We use the illustration of a wheel. Uh, we talked about the third one, um, that um, you will not take the Lord's name in vain. And that was the idea of reputation. That God says, my, my name, my character, my being is here. Make sure you don't bring that down. Um, you keep my reputation high. Then he talked about the Sabbath, the idea of remembering the Sabbath. And the idea was to, uh, rhythm was the word that we put with that. There's a, there's a pattern, there's a rhythm to life that God establishes. And so we talked about that idea of those, those things in relationship to God. Then we got to uh, the relationship to man. And we talked about the idea of honoring your father and mother. And we dealt with that principle that um, uh, it's really a pivotal command because your relationship with your mom and your dad affects all the other relationships that you have with people. And so we talked about that idea that it's so important that we deal with this issue of learning to honor our parents, whether they were honorable people or not. Um, and we, we dealt with that whole concept. Um, and then we got into the uh, Sixth Commandment, and I'm, I'm going to look because i got to get them right in order. Um, uh, murder, the idea of not murdering, the idea was value, that every human being that we see in our life has value. Um, and we, as believers, need to value people because God values everyone. And Jesus Christ died for the whole world. And so we talked about that issue, issue of giving value to people. And then last week we dealt with the issue of adultery, which was the issue of love. And um, we talked not just about the idea of the, the physical adultery that we all so often think of, but the issue of spiritual adultery, the idea of substituting the love of God for something else. And so we talked about that. This morning, um, we're going to look at the, the um, Eighth Commandment. Uh, here it is. Thou shalt not steal. Okay? Pretty straightforward. Now, you should know that in uh, theology circles, there's a little bit of debate here. Uh, some scholars say that this is talking about kidnapping. Um, and I don't want to minimize what's happening, particularly um, in, in child trafficking and those kinds of issues that are going on that, that for some reason tend to get pushed to the back burner um, because they're serious issues and they're, they're, they're real issues that are happening in our culture and in our, in our world. Um, I don't want to minimize those, but I don't think that that's accurately what this is talking about. I think it's talking about just the specific idea of stealing, taking something from someone else that doesn't belong to you. Um, now, you should know, in the Jewish world, um, they, they were very um, 
strict about their laws, about the way they did things, about um, how they believed people should be compensated. So here's the way it worked. If, um, if I'm going to use Lael, he's on the front row. Um, so let's say, um, let's say Lael steals $100 from me, okay, and I catch him. Under Jewish mindset, Lael would have to pay me now $200, double what he took, okay. Um, so the, that, that was the idea. The idea was that if, if, um, if you, take, you take 100, then you owe 200, okay. Um, let's say Lael took $100 from me and then felt guilty about it. And he came to me and said, hey, look, I'm sorry you didn't know this, but I took $100 from you. He had to pay me back now 20%, 100 plus 20%. So he would have to pay back $120 in the Jewish world. Um, let's say Lael uh, decided that he didn't like me and he wanted to be pastor, so he killed me. Um, in that case, in that case, Lael actually loses his life. If, 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 if you were to steal, because the idea is you have stolen a life. I mean, in the Jewish concept, you actually stolen a world away from the world. So uh, he would actually have to lose his life. If his stealing was intentional, okay, there was intent behind it, he would have to pay between four and five times the amount that he stole. Okay, so in the Jewish world, let's say, for instance, he stole an ox from me. Okay, now that's intentional because you can't, that's not an easy animal to hide. Okay, it's an ox. He would owe me five oxen back. He would have to pay me fivefold back. Uh, let's say it was something smaller like a sheep, uh, it would be fourfold. And by the way, it's interesting. You remember when the tax collector said, I will go and pay back fourfold, fivefold what he took? That's why. That, this was the Jewish mindset. The Jewish mindset. And you go, okay, well, well let's say Lael's poor and he stole it to feed his family. Then it was very, very simple. He still owed me five oxen. And, not, and if he couldn't pay it, he now had to be my slave until he paid back everything that he had owed. So he would have to do that much work. You go, well, wasn't there like, a, a, like a, a, an exclusion clause for somebody who was really in need? No, no. If, if he took it and he couldn't pay, and that situation, he now has to pay me back fivefold. And if he can't pay me back fivefold, he becomes my servant until he has paid back fivefold. Um, that was a concept. Um, in uh, Malachi, it talks about the idea that we can steal from God. And it talks about the idea of the tithe. And, and, and Jesus, when he was here, he talks about this idea of, um, you know, you tithe the mint and the innocent, you do well, but you miss the big stuff. You know, you're missing the love and mercy and all those other things that you should be giving me. So in the Jewish world, you need to understand, this idea of stealing had all of these concepts uh, wrapped up in it. It had these, these ideas that they, it was foreign to them, okay? But as I said, before, so, so when we talk about it in a practical sense, um, we're talking about this idea of stealing um, something that doesn't belong to you from someone else, taking someone, uh, taking that. Uh, um, in a bigger context, um, we're going to look at it and, and take it to another level like Jesus does. But um, what you have to understand is this is something that's easy to do. Um, let me, I struggled with this for, for, for a long time. Uh, here, here's here's the, just a little rabbit trail to help you a little bit. Um, I struggled with, um, my mindset is I, I like doing stuff on my own. I don't want people to help me. I want to be able to do it by myself. I'm not going to ask you for help. Uh, that, by the way, that's pride. Um, 
Uh, I struggled with this issue of I didn't want somebody else to help me or to give to me or to do something for me. And a number of years ago, I had somebody really, really drive this home for me. They looked at me and said, let me ask something. When you help somebody else, how do you feel? You feel great that you had the resources to be able to help someone, right? And do you get a blessing out of doing that? So here's what they asked me. They said, look, because as a pastor, people, people are, are, are very kind and they like to do things for us and things like that. They said, let me ask you something. Why will you steal that blessing from them? Why will you not let them help you? You are robbing them. You are stealing from them that which you enjoy when you get to go help somebody else. And I never thought of it in those terms. And all of a sudden I started realizing, wait a minute. This person wants to do this, and as hard as it is for me to say, okay, if I don't learn to say, okay, I am robbing them of that which God wants to use and do in their life. And that really helped me with this, because I, I, you know, again, and it doesn't mean it's easy. I still struggle with this. But I started to see me, my stubbornness, my pride, my ability to say, you can't help me, as really a way of, of robbing somebody from something. And so, you know, I just want to throw that out there for you to think about, because some of you, you're like me, you know, I'm not going to ask for help and blah, 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 blah. You're the first person to offer to help, but yet you won't take any help. And, and, and that's why I say, so this is a, this is a big deal. So um, let's jump to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to jump to the New Testament, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you our word that we're going to associate with stealing. Then we're going to go back to the Old Testament. Then we're going to go back to what Jesus teaches, and then we're going to talk about how we're going to live it out this week. Okay, so. Um, here is the concept. It's in Ephesians, actually. Um, and you're going to see the base layer. Here's what he says. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. We all got that, right? So if you're stealing, here's what he says. Stop it. Now, he tells you what to do. But he must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Now, there's a lot of things packed into this verse. Notice what he says, first of all. First of all, he says, if you're stealing, stop it. Then notice what he says. Then go out and work. Why? Why do we go work? So we can give. Here's our word, generosity. Generosity. It's not about just not stealing, it's about being generous. And so that's the concept we're going to develop as we walk all the way through this. Because what you see is, and again, he gives you one of the purposes for work. One of the purposes that we go to work every, every week is so that we are in a position to be able to help other people. So that we can give, so that we can be generous, so that we can go and minister to other people with the resources that we have. That's the whole purpose. And when we talk about this, this is, uh, let me... Let me lay this out. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I also got to lay this out at some point, so let's do it now. When I talk about generosity, what's the first word that comes to your mind? We think of it in terms of what? You know, money, dollars, there's like, okay. I want you to try not to think of it in just those terms. Okay? I, I, when I was in ministry, I had a guy came to me, and here's what he said. He said, um, uh, he, we worked together, and, and he really developed my thinking on this. He said, 
when we were coming up against a problem trying to figure something out, he'd say, let me ask you something. He said, if time, money, and people were no object, what would you do? And I started thinking about that. And I thought, you know what? If time, money, and, and, and people were not, an, were not an issue, what would we do? And a lot of times in church, when we bump up against the wall, that's the question I'll ask the board. If time, money, and people were not an issue, what would we decide here? Because that's what we need to decide. That needs to be our answer. Because God is bigger than time, money, and people. God can provide the people, God can provide the time, God can provide the, the money, the, the resources of it. And so I want to look at that, I want to look at this whole thing of generosity in the terms of generous with your time, generous with your money, generous with people. Okay? So I'm, I'm going to help develop that as we go. So let's jump all the way back to the Old Testament. Oh, um, I'm going to get there, guys. All right, so Deuteronomy 24, let's do what it says. Do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice or take the cloak of a woman as a pledge, or the widow as a pledge. Okay, here, here's what it means. Um, you, you take somebody who's a widow and they want to borrow something from you. Often there was like a down payment. There was like, okay, I need to make sure you're going to pay me back. So a lot of times you would ask something. Well, if it's a widow, she doesn't have much anyway. And they were saying, look, don't take her coat as a down payment. You know, um, cut her some slack. Okay, be generous here. Um, because remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That is why I command you to do this. So he says, okay, when I'm about ready to tell you, here's the reason I'm doing it. The reason I'm telling you to do this is because this is what I did to you. And if you're going to go out and represent me, you need to be doing this to others as well. That's the mindset behind what he's saying to Israel. He's saying, look, Israel, I redeemed you. I was generous to you. I was gracious to you. I need you to do the same so that people see me. So notice what he says. He goes to it and says this. When you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheep, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from the trees, don't go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest grapes in your vineyard, don't go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. You getting the pattern here? Why? Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That's why I command you to do this. He lays out a principle of the children of Israel. Here's what he says. He says, look, you need to understand, when you go and you start to harvest your fields, um, I don't want you to be so focused on getting it all. I don't want you to consume it. Get every single thing you can for yourself. <laughs> you go through and harvest it, but you leave stuff behind. By the way, the story of Ruth is all about this concept. Okay, it's all based in this whole story, this whole concept, because the principle was this: <laughs> I want you to provide a way that others can benefit from your work. I want to provide a way that those who are fatherless and widows and foreigners have the opportunity to get something from your work, from your labor. I want you to learn to be generous. That's how I want things to work. You, my people are generous people because I am a generous God. And he says, the reason you need to do this is because this is what I did to you when you were slaves. I, I didn't have to deliver you. 
I didn't have to provide for you in the wilderness for 40 years. I didn't have to take care of your shoes and your, and your manna and all that stuff, but I did. I chose to do that. I gave to you when you were undeserving of any of it. I want you to be generous as well. So that's the concept that you have, okay, in the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. When Jesus gets here, um, in the Beatitudes, here's what he lays out. Notice what he says. Um, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have a reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, by the way, notice what he says. There's a, there's a really important word in there. What is it? When. Not if, when. Jesus is assuming his children are generous. He says, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the street to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their full reward. He goes on and he says this. But when you give it, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret. So that your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. He says, look, one of the things you need to know is you need to be generous. And when you're giving, when you're taking care of the needs of other people, don't let other people know what you're doing. Um, by the way, this is one of the reasons when you come to church here, you don't see any memorial plaque. That's one of the reasons. Because we don't want the focus to be on the memory of somebody who had a bunch of money who gave us a bunch of stuff. We want the focus to be on Christ. So when people give and when people do things and people come up and say, hey, look, I want, you know what, I want to take something, I want to do this in memory, of what, then there's a group of people who may know what that's about. But we don't make a big deal of it. And the reason we don't make a big deal of it is this very thing. We want them to be rewarded on a heavenly perspective, not necessarily on an earthly perspective. It's not about uh, you getting attention for, for what you've done. This is the principle of generosity. And Jesus lays it out in the, in the Beatitudes. He says, look, it's not about people noticing what you did. It's about you doing what you need to do. So that's the principle Jesus talks about. Now, I don't have time, so I'm just going to give you the chapters, and you can go back and read them for yourself in the stories. But I, I pulled out three stories and some other parables that Jesus tells that illustrate these issues. Okay? Um, so the first one, uh, I just got to find out where it's in Matthew. Uh, Matthew 20, okay? Um, it's a story Jesus tells. So I'm going to paraphrase it. Um, it's, it's a story of the three workers. Um, uh, so I'm going to paraphrase it, try to make it a modern-day analogy so, so you can, you can uh, understand what Jesus is teaching. Um, so what happens is Jesus says, okay, there's a guy, and uh, he needs his barns cleaned out, Okay? So he meets with a guy in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, and the guy says, hey, look, I'll clean out your barns. He says, okay, great. I'll give you 20 bucks if you clean out my barn today. And the guy says, good, that'll be a good deal. So he starts working on cleaning out the barn. They're sitting at lunch, and at lunchtime, as they're eating, another guy walks up and says, hey, do you have any work for me? And uh, the owner says, well, yeah, we're cleaning out the barns. You can help us clean out the barns. He says, okay. He said, um, I'll clean out the barns. Uh, what will you give me? He says, I'll give you 20 bucks if you help me clean out the barns the rest of the day. And uh, so they make the deal, and now the two of them are going cleaning out the barns, and it comes down to they're going to quit at 5 o'clock, and at 4 o'clock a guy shows up, and he says, hey, you have any work for me? He says, yeah. He said, you can help us clean out the barns. He said, well, how much you give me? He says, I'll give you 20 bucks. 
And so now all of a sudden it comes to 5 o'clock and he hands him a 20 and a 20 and a 20. It's the American way. Now, does that bother you? Here, here's a question. Why does that bother you? This is what Jesus said. Why does that bother you? Why does that bother you? Because you see, the first guy got exactly what he had set up and he had agreed to. I'll work eight hours, you give me 20 bucks. The second guy got exactly what he agreed to. I'm going to work till 5 o'clock, and you give me 20 bucks. I'll work four hours, you give me 20 bucks. And the last guy, he got exactly what he agreed to. I want to work for $20 for an hour. You go, no, 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 pastor, you don't understand. The, the guy who worked the hardest, he should get the most. It's not Jesus' point. Jesus' point is this. Why are you upset? Because he was more generous with the third guy than he was with the first guy. It's his money. He can do it to whatever he wants. Any one of those people could have made whatever deal they wanted to make. The first guy could have said, I want to work for $20 an hour. The second guy could have said, well, you know, hey, look, I got to have, you know, I got to have more money than 20 bucks. Why does that bother you? He's the owner. He can do whatever he wants with this money. And if he wants to be generous, more generous to the second and third guy than he was the first guy, he's got every right to do that. That was Jesus' point. Jesus' point was, look, because here's the issue. Here's the big picture issue. Why is it that this person can, can, can love God and serve God and struggle for God and, 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 and be persecuted for God, for 50 years, and this guy gets saved an hour before he dies, and they both get the same thing. That's the big picture thing. Jesus says it's not about what you're getting. It's about the idea of the, the owner decided to be generous. So that's the big, that's the principle. There's a second story um, in which this, that, that basically deals with the idea of, of the money aspect of it, being generous with your money. Um, the second idea is, is Jesus and the Pharisees. Um, the Pharisees, had a, they have a big party, and when they had a big party, they invited all their friends and neighbors. Um, this is Luke 14, the next one's Luke 15. Um, but they, he has, the, the Pharisees have a big party, and they invite all of them. And here's the idea. They invite people who can help them. They invite people who they want to impress. They invite their friends. They invite the rich, rich guys in the community. And Jesus comes to them, and he says, look, you think you're being generous by having this big party for all these people. But here's the reality. You've only invited people who can help you. You're getting something out of this. Jesus said, if you really want to be generous, do you know who you invite? The poor, the widows, the lame. You, you, you invite the people who can't do anything for you. That's who you invite. The strangers, the foreigners, that's who you invite. And Jesus is trying to teach this idea of, look, when it comes to people, it's real easy sometimes to only invite or only to hang around the, our, our little group that we like to be around. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you need to be generous with people, and you need to invite those people that are outside on the fridge that cannot do anything for you. It's just simply because of your generosity and your goodness. Because you see, I'm your God, I'm your Savior, and that's the way I do it. 
And if they're going to be like me, that's what you need to do. So he uses that story to teach that idea of, uh, of principle. And then the last story uh, is um, Luke 15. You know the story of the, uh, we call it the prodigal son. It's actually a story of loving father. But there, there's, an interesting, there's an interesting end to that story. And, and you know the prodigal son, you know, he comes and says, Dad, I want my inheritance. So he gets a third. The older brother gets two thirds. Um, he goes out and wastes it all. And then he comes back and he wants a job. Daddy says, you know, I'm not going to make you a worker. I'm going I'm, I'm to put a robe on you and a ring. And, and, and there's an interesting passage. And he says he's going to slay the fatted calf. Um, here's why that's significant. Um, to feed your family, all you'd have to do is, again, they didn't have refrigeration, okay? So in order to feed your family, you'd normally slay a, a, a lamb or a goat. A calf was something you used to feed all kinds of people, the entire village, because it was a lot of food. It's kind of like when we were in PNG, you know, and they did a pig. Everybody was invited. Everybody came out to it. Uh, because basically, you know, it wasn't like they were going to go home and throw leftovers in a refrigerator. It all had to be, so they invited everybody. So that was the idea. So when, when the father says, I'm going to slay the fatted calf, what he's saying is, we're going to have a party. We're going to invite everybody we can invite. And it's interesting because when you read the story, the oldest son goes out. And dad comes out and says, why are you out here? And basically he says, dad, I've been here faithfully serving you, taking care of you, everything, and you never threw a party for me. You never gave me that kind of time and attention you're giving him. And the father confronts him with the issue of, look, I, I have you. He was lost, now he's found. There's a reason to celebrate here. There's a reason that I'm going to this extent. Because, and, and in essence, here's what's happened. The son, the oldest son, is upset because dad was generous. And Jesus uses that story to teach the idea of, look, the loving father is generous. And slaying the fatted calf was a way to encompass everybody. Okay? So those are the ideas. So um, let's talk about it in our world and, and, and kind of practically lay it out for things this week. So here's my question to you this week. you got three resources this week. Your time, your money, and people. So how are you going to be generous with them? How are you going to be generous with your time this week? Look, you go, I'm so busy. No, stop. We all get 24 hours. Nobody gets more, nobody gets less. We all just spend it differently. That's what it is. So here's my question. How are you going to be generous with your time this week? Some of you really need to stop and step back from this and ask yourself how I'm going to, because you're spending your time on you, right? I mean, if you want to know, I mean, honestly, if you want to know whether or not you're guilty of this, I get that off. if you want to know whether or not you're guilty of this, if you still have one, pull out your calendar. Look at your schedule on your phone. How much of that stuff is about you? You see, this is one of the things that I see with this whole virus thing that's going on right now is we have, we have become narcissistic and that we have pulled within and everything now is about us. And we have to be very careful that we don't start spending all of our time just on us. And, and that's part of the idea. How are you going to be generous with your time? Um, how, are you going to, how are you going to figure out, and for some of you it means a spouse, 
you have neglected a spouse for so long because you've gone and done your thing, your spouse has gone and done their thing, and there's not anything that you are doing for your spouse. Some of you, it's that way for your kids. And you've got kids that have been neglected, kids that you don't spend the time and energy with. You go, well, you know, here's the thing. You know, I mean, there's only so much time. I get that. I get that. But we have to be generous with our time. Some of you, you, there are people you could go help. You could. But you don't want to take the time. And this is one of the things. We've got to learn to be generous. And you go, you know, everybody goes, well, you know, I'm one of those people I can't say no. I'm going to give you the secret to being able to say no. You have to figure out what you're saying yes to first. When you figure out what you're saying yes to, it's very easy to say no. If I have a date with my wife and we're going out on Thursday night and you call me and you say, hey, do you want to go golfing? It's very easy for me to say no to you because I wasn't saying yes to her. Does that make sense? That's how you figure this out. If you go, well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah I can't say no, yeah, I'm going to go, okay, honey, I'm going to go golfing because so-and-so called. I've just said no to her. You get that? So, so you have to really figure out what you say yes and no to. Um, but this idea of time is you invest it, you invest it in your time. Um, your money, your things, how generous are you with it? You go, you know, you know, you know, yes, I can, I can, I can loan you, I can give you five dollars. You know, you're gonna need a crowbar to get my wallet open, but that's okay. And you're just so tight, and you're just so stingy with stuff. Or are you somebody who's very generous? Here, here's something I learned a long time ago, and, and you can you can talk to me all you want about the economics and everything else. All I'm gonna tell you is I got 40 years of experience that says this works. You give somebody X number of dollars, uh, two people, they have the exact same needs, exact same needs, exact same everything, okay? One person I give $1,000 to, and they are one of those tight-fisted, clenched, lock-your-wallet-up kind of people. Um, the other person is somebody who's generous, and, and they have a tendency to give. So they're going to take that same $1,000, they're going to give a portion of it away some percentage. They're going to come up and they're going to say, a percentage of this, I'm going to give to somebody else. Every single situation, here's what I watch. This money goes farther than that money. You go, explain it. Can't. I've just watched it work. I've just watched God honor generous people. Because it's what God wants us to do. Um, and it's so important that, that we learn this idea, that we learn it, because the, the, the more you hold on to something, the more that becomes your focus. And, and like you said, the whole goal in working is to be able to give, um, to be able to take my resources and help somebody else. You know, there are plenty of people out there, and I'm not talking about people who take advantage of the system. Okay, I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about genuine people who need or can use somebody to come along their side and maybe take care of something for them. And my suggestion, you take care of it anonymously. So they don't know who it is. 
but you take care of something. And you do something like that. I've just watched this play out over and over and over again. When I counsel couples who are getting married, I explain this principle to them. I say, okay, first of all, let me explain it. I said, I'm a pastor, and we have a church, and we take offerings and all that. I said, this is not about giving money to church. I said, if you never write a check, well, nobody writes checks anymore, but if you never give any more money, if you never give any money to the church, that's not what this is about. You need to set aside a portion of everything you get and give it away. Preferably, you need to give it to something that can't help you. That's the concept behind the Pharisees. Something that you can't benefit from. You give it away to somebody else. Again, if you think this is all about giving to the church, no, forget the church right now. You just need to take a percentage of what you have and it goes away. And here's what it'll do for you. Number one, work no longer becomes about you. By the way, as a church, this is what we do. We have made decisions in the last five, six months to pull money out of our general fund to give it to our missionaries. Why? Because they're in a situation where they're struggling right now. And we're in a situation where we're not going to take and quote-unquote hoard our general fund money when we have an opportunity to use it and give it away to help them. And just because it's in a category of general fund instead of missions is not going to be the deciding factor for us. And so for us, it's the issue of we have the resources to do it. We're going to do it. That's why we take 10% of everything that comes, and it goes away. Because that, th this is the idea. We've set a percentage, and it's 15% now. Why? Because I'm not telling you something that we don't do, okay? Because this is an important principle on being generous. Um, and the last thing um, is the idea of being generous to people. And here's what I mean by that. It doesn't cost you anything to give somebody a compliment, does it? How generous are you in your words in building people up around you? How generous are you in throwing out a, hey, look, I want you to know, you know I really appreciate you. What would that cost you? A couple breaths of air, a few heartbeats, depends on how fast you talk. And yet, is that not what we're supposed to be doing? Generous with our compliments, generous with our words, generous with building other people up, generous with, 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 with saying things to, to help those around us? Look, I, I take it a personal challenge every time I go into a store to be generous with the way that I talk to that person who's waiting on me at the checkout or wherever it is that I am. Why? Because I serve a God who is generous to me. That's why. And if they're going to see God or Christ in me, they have to see me being generous as well. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. Okay? Nothing. Okay. This is a hobby horse of mine. I believe when you have the opportunity, you share the gospel with people, including people who wait on you at restaurants and stuff like that. Okay? You also should be one of the biggest tippers they have that day, my opinion. This idea of, I'm going to give you $2 for waiting on me, and now I'm going to share with you the gospel. 
I, I don't want anything to do with your God. You're, you've got a stingy God. I want to be generous to people. And, and, and listen, the people, on, the people who are trying to work in these restaurants and stuff right now, you know, I don't know if you understand how the whole tip thing works, but trust me, my wife was a waitress long enough to know. Be generous with your tips. You know, um, we, we ate out yesterday. I mean, I, I left a 20% tip, but you know what they did? I'll, I picked the food up at the counter and ate it myself. Took it to the table myself, got all my silverware myself, got all my stuff. Why? Because I know they're having a hard time right now, and I'm in a situation where I can be generous, so I'm going to be generous. And it's so important. It's so important with our time, with our compliments, with the way we talk to people, that they see people with, who are generous. The commandment is don't steal. The big principle is be generous. Think about this for a second. There are two worlds. God's world and Satan's world, right? This is the difference. God's world says, and he says to his children, look, I was generous with you. I, I brought you out of Egypt. He was generous to us. He gave us salvation. He came to this earth. He died on the cross for our sins. He offers salvation to anyone who accepts it. He's incredibly gracious and generous all the way across the board to us. The other world, what's his world of world? Steal, kill, destroy. So here's my question. Do you want to be part, do you want to go into the world presenting a generous person who is reflective of your God? Or do you want to go into the world as this stingy hoarder who everything's about you and grabbing everything for you and keeping everything for yourself? Which world do you want to be associated with? This is a world of Satan. This is a world of stealing, robbing, taking it all from me, grabbing everything I can. When I go through the field, I mean, I'll tell you what, if, you know, if, I mean, I'm out there with a bucket picking up soybeans because the combine missed a couple, you know? Or is it one of those where, you know, again, I'm not talking about being efficient. I'm not, I'm not talking against any of those things, but I'm saying this is the mindset. This is the mindset, you know? You know, I'm not going to, they didn't give me good service, so I'm not going to give them a tip. You go do their job for a month and tell me if you still feel the same way. You don't know what kind of day they've had. You don't know what kind of home they're going home to. You don't know how difficult the world is. Your job is to be gracious, encourage, and help them. You're a child of the king who has done that to you. That's what we need to do that way. Does that make sense? It's about so much more than not stealing. It's about being a generous people. So with your time, with your money, with your opportunity to touch people's lives this week, be generous. So I end this morning with this idea, with this concept. God's world is a world of generosity. His children are to be generous with their time, money, and resources because God was generous to us. If you want the world to see Jesus, they've got to see generosity in our lives first. Don't steal this week. But more importantly, be generous and allow people to see Jesus in you. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, it's easy to just focus on these commandments and, and step back and feel a sense of pride because we don't steal. But the reality of it is, Lord, um, we're not generous. So help us do that this week. Lord, as you give each one of us opportunities to invest our time, to invest our money, to invest in people around us, 
Lord, would you help us to use that? Lord, there are people out there that cannot benefit, that we can't benefit anything uh, on our own lives by helping them. But Lord, you chose to help us when there's nothing of us, Lord, that was deserving of your love and your sacrifice and your commitment. So help us, Lord, to show that to a world that desperately needs it. And um, thanks for putting us and allowing us to be in a position, Lord, where we can be generous. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand together, and we're going to sing the first verse. Grace, grace.